Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Hi, I'm Sarah Puel, co-host of Susie Orman's Women and Money. As we get ready for season two of our podcast, we wanted to share some of the best episodes from season one. We hope you enjoy listening. It was 1980, April to be exact, and I had just been hired to be a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. After being a waitress for seven years at the Buttercup Bakery in Berkeley, California, making only $400 a month. I was 29 years of age. I had never worked a professional job. I had been a waitress my entire life, and I was scared to death to say the least. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, why would Merrill Lynch hire somebody who didn't have any experience? Very simple. It was affirmative action back then. They had no women stockbrokers working for them in the Oakland office, and they needed to fill the position. I was told women belong barefoot and pregnant. However, they would hire me, but they would fire me in six months. But that's not the point of this story. The point of this story is, I was so afraid. I did not think I belonged there. I was driving a 1967 Volvo station wagon when all the other male brokers in the office were driving brand new Mercedes, BMWs, Jaguars. They would go out to eat every day after the market closed at restaurants and spend lots of money, I would get into my 1967 Volvo station wagon, drive to Taco Bell, and have two tacos and a drink every single day, okay? And I really very quickly realized, how am I going to get through this? Oh, my God. And I decided, I know I need to conquer my fear My fear is going to keep me from being more and having more. My mind kept saying to me, I can't do this. I don't belong. I'll never succeed. And I needed to stop that. So I decided to create a new truth, a new truth to conquer my fear. And that new truth was, I am young, powerful, and successful, producing at least $10,000 a month. Now think about it. I'm about to be 30. I was not that young. I was not powerful. I was not successful and producing at least $10,000 a month. Are you kidding me? There were times that my parents didn't even make that much money in an entire year. So that was so absurd. It wasn't even funny, but I would say it 25 times a day out loud on my way into the office. I would scream it to myself at times. I would write it 25 times a day over and over again. And at night, before I went to sleep, I would look in the mirror and I would repeat it silently, looking at myself, knowing that every word was true. I did it over 
and over and over again. And in six months, guess what? My new truth became my reality. So it is important to understand that what you think, say, and do has a tremendous effect on who you are and what's possible in life. So I would like all of you right now to think about what is your greatest fear in life? Is it, I'm never going to have enough money to pay my bills? Is it, oh my God, I'm never going to get out of credit card debt? Whatever it may be, can you just take the time sometime today, and I'll talk about that in the do it moment at the end of this podcast, to write down your fear. But for now, during this podcast, I want you to just think, what is your greatest fear in life? After you've done that, I then want you to create a truth that is directly opposite your fear. If your fear is, I'm never going to have enough money, then your new truth needs to be, I have more money than I will ever need. I need you to make your truth so it's already happened, as if it's past tense. I have more money than I ever need, as if it's present tense. Not one day I will have more money than I will ever need, because who knows when that one day may be. I want you to make it short enough so that you can repeat it, because you are going to take a vow that you're going to do this 25 times a day, writing it, screaming it, and repeating it silently. So each one of those times, you're going to do it in multiples of 25. So it's got to be short so you can remember it. Also, I want you to make it so that it's not limiting. Remember, my new truth was producing at least $10,000 a month. Hey, if more money was to come my way, why would I want to limit it to $10,000? I don't think so. What's so incredible is that that truth got me through the scariest of times, the times where I kept thinking I'm never going to be able to do it. And every time I thought that, I just stopped and I didn't say anything other than my truth. I let my truth silence my fears. So I would like you to try that. For you to be able to create a life, a financial freedom, a life that you deserve, you have got to silence the fears that are keeping you trapped into a past. What happened in your past, whoever you've been in your past, is not what will determine who you are meant to be in your future. Do you hear me, women? You don't need excuses. You don't have excuses. It doesn't matter what's gone on in your life. I need you to stop thinking about the past, and I need you to think about the future. It's like when you're driving a car, if you were to simply look in the rearview mirror the whole time you're driving a car, you would get in an accident. Don't look behind you. I want you to look in front of you. I want you to go where you are meant to be, but to do so. You have to feel strong. You have to be strong. You have to act strong. And you have to have faith in who you are. And your fear can undermine that. So for now, I just want you to remember, you can be more. You can have more. The decision is up to you. 
Sarah, how are you this week, girlfriend? I'm doing great, Susie. You know, as we got ready for this podcast, I've been thinking a lot about my own fears when it comes to money and how it really can be scary to find out the truth about how you've been spending your money and that sick feeling in the bottom of your stomach when you pull the credit card statement and have a hard look and say, how can I make changes that I need to make for the future? And so I really am looking forward to having this discussion with you about how do we get over that that fear that is so prevalent, there. overpowering you, sometimes. You know, the greatest yeah. fear that I could remember, because remember everybody, I didn't always have money by any means, is sitting in a restaurant and giving my credit card to the waiter or waitress. I guess they're all called waiters now. What do I know? And to wait to see, are they going to come back and say, sorry, denied, And I would remember just the whole time I would be eating, having this sick feeling of fear in my stomach going, oh my God, what am I going to do if my credit card doesn't go through? So fear can be absolutely debilitating on every possible level. What questions do you have for me? Okay, Susie. So the first question that I sourced comes from Elizabeth. And she wants to know why you think that fear is the main internal obstacle to wealth. There are three main internal obstacles to wealth, fear, shame, and anger. But fear is absolutely one of them. And I will tell you a little bit of a long story as to how I realized this. Years and years ago, when I was a stockbroker, a financial advisor, the way a financial advisor works is that they will pick a handful of stocks and they will sell that exact same stock to what's called their book, every single client that they have. Over time, I started to realize that the same clients made money on those stocks and the same clients used to lose money on those exact same stocks. And I kept thinking, what the heck is going on here? Why do some people make money and some people lose money when the stocks are identical? So I started to call up people and I would ask them questions. And here was it, here's what I would ask them. When I asked you to buy the stock, how did you feel when I asked you to buy it? The people who always made money, they would say to me, I loved it. I loved the idea. I felt it was great. The people who always lost money would say to me, I really didn't want to do it, Susie, and I was afraid to do it, but I was also totally afraid to tell you I didn't want to do it. Now, why did they lose money and others gain money? Because undoubtedly, when you buy an investment, such as a stock, maybe you buy it at $30 a share, and before you know it, it's down at $20 a share, and those people who were afraid and they never wanted to buy it to begin with would call me up and say, let's sell. Those people who felt good about it and they weren't afraid, they never called me up. And over time, it went from 30 to 20 to 25 to 30 to 35 to 50 to 70 to 80 and so forth. So do you understand, Sarah, how fear causes you to buy at the wrong time and causes you to sell at the wrong time? And that's when I came up with that fear is one of the main internal obstacles to wealth. I've had my own personal experience with this where now if I would have just held on, I would have made 
a lot of money and I didn't and I lost a lot of money and it was because I was afraid I didn't understand what I was doing I didn't understand the decision I was making um and and it was all it was all fear-based all of it and I'm just it's making me sick thinking about it (laughs) but do you understand that's why fear is the main internal obstacle to wealth one of three we'll have to do another podcast on anger because anger really is the most serious main internal obstacle to wealth what else you got for me All right. I've got a question from Reese. She wants to know, what is your favorite law of money that can help me understand why I need to conquer my fear? When you are afraid, you are powerless. You cannot be a powerful person if you dwell in fear. And the number one law of money is power attracts money. Powerlessness repels it. Why is that true? It's true because money cannot do anything on its own. You are the one who goes out and gets a paycheck by working for it. You're the one who takes that paycheck and decides, do you want to spend it, save it, invest it? If you're walking down the street and you see a $20 bill, that $20 bill can't call up to you and say, hey, save me, somebody lost me. You're the one who has to bend down, pick it up and put it in your pocket. So money cannot do anything without you. Therefore, people control money. When you are powerful in life, have you ever noticed that you attract people? People want to be around you when you are happy, when you are powerful. So if power attracts people and people control money, that's why power attracts money. When you are powerless, do you notice that you actually repel people? People control money. When you're powerless, you right repel money. What makes you the most powerless in life is when you are afraid of things. Fear You don't have the money to pay your bills. You're going to a movie theater. You're sitting in there. And rather than watching the movie across the movie screen of your own mind, you're like, oh, my God, how am I going to pay the bills? I don't have the money. I'm so afraid. I don't know what to do. When you go for a job interview, do you not think, regardless of what your resume says, that the person sitting with you, that they can feel if you're a powerful person or you're not? If you're not powerful, they're not going to hire you, no matter what your resume says. So when you have debt and you're afraid and you've rendered yourself powerless, you repel people. That's why fear is one of the main internal obstacles to wealth. And that's how it relates to the number one law of money. Well, let's go. Let's go to Stephanie's question uh, because this kind of, this plays all into it. She says she's simply afraid to open up her credit card statements. When you're afraid to open up your credit card statements, that that means you don't have the money to pay them. You don't want to see what you've done. You are somebody who spends money that they don't have to probably impress people you don't even know or like. Are you listening to me right now? And did that just resonate to all of you? That is a sign that you are paying for your present day desires, but your costs are going to be your future day needs. The best way to do this, you have to face it to erase it. 
You cannot be afraid of what people are going to think of you because you have credit card debt. So what you should do is pick up the phone or when you see somebody, tell them how much credit card debt you have. Start letting it be known about your debt. So people then can be honest with you as well so that you don't have to feel so afraid about it. When I ask in an audience when I'm speaking, who has five, like an auction, I go, who has $5,000 of debt? 5000 give me $10,000 of debt. Give me fifty. Who has 100000 Everybody in the audience feels great because they realize everybody has debt. So your job, your do-it moment would be as soon as your bill comes in for you to absolutely just open it total how much you actually owe, and then create a plan for you to get out of credit card debt once and for all. We'll have to do a podcast on that, Sarah. What's the best way to get out of credit card debt? We absolutely have to. So let's let's go to our next question. It comes from Olga, and she says that she knows you have the book called The Courage to Be Rich. And she says, no, Susie, it doesn't take the courage to be rich. It takes courage to be poor. Why do you say that? Well, my number one New York Times bestselling book, do you know that I actually left my publisher over this book? I had just written The Nine Steps to Financial Freedom, one of the best-selling books of all time. At that point, it was Random House's number one selling book back in 1998, and I was going to write another book with them. And I went to them and I had this thing that I wanted to write a book called The Courage to Be Rich. And do you know they said that exact same thing to me that Olga just wrote in about? And I looked at them and I went, are you kidding me? And I got up and I walked out and I refused to write another book for them. And that's when I became an author for Putnam Penguin. Um, And Julie Grau became my publisher because she got it. And here's what she got. It doesn't take courage to be poor people. Anybody can be poor. It is so easy to be poor. It's not even funny. It takes courage to open up your bank statements. It takes courage to open up your credit card statements when you're afraid. It takes courage to tell the world that you don't have the money to do this and that you want to change your life. And it takes courage to be able to ask for what you want and to ask for what you need and to take the actions to do so. That's the answer to that question. So let's go to Catherine. She she says... She's afraid to invest money in the stock market. So all it does is sit around and does nothing. How does she get over this? You get over it the same way you get in to the water in the ocean when the water is really cold. First, you put your toe in, then you put your ankles in, then you go up to your thighs or your knees or whatever. And before you know it, you're in. The same is true with investing. Just start with a little amount of money. Don't be what I call an all or nothing investor, where you have to invest all your money or you invest none of your money. Take an amount that you feel comfortable with, $100 a month, $200 a month, whatever it may be. Open up an account at TD Ameritrade or any good discount brokerage firm. Again, I love TD Ameritrade, and I'm not paid to say that. I myself just think their statements, how their ease of use, everything about them is so fabulous. And start investing a small amount of money every single month and see how it feels. Sooner than later, 
I promise you, you will be over your fear. You know, Sarah, the only way to conquer fear is through action. Again, in this podcast, we talked about being able to create a new truth for yourselves. That's how we started it. That's directly opposite your fear. So if you're afraid to do something, don't forget everybody to create a new truth to silence your fear. What else you got? Well, let me just say real quick, you know, Catherine, her, what she can do is tell herself, like you say, 25 times a day, I am not afraid of the stock market. I will make money in the stock market by making smart, strong investments. However, remember, Sarah, you cannot use the word I will. That's right. You need to say, no, I will. I am making money as if it has already happened. Exactly. I am making money in the stock market. That's right. All right. I've got one more question for you. This comes from Caroline and she says, my spouse has just died and I'm paralyzed to do anything with the insurance proceeds, which by the way, Susie is all I have. My friend is a financial advisor who keeps calling me and telling me to invest in the stock market. Do you think that she's right? No, I think she couldn't be more wrong if she tried. I have another law of money and the law of money goes like this. You are to do nothing other than keep your money safe and sound for six months to one year after suffering the loss of a loved one, whether it's a death or a divorce. Again, if you are afraid of investing in the stock market at this point in your life, you should absolutely do nothing that makes you more afraid. This is the time that everything that you do is done to make you feel more secure. I don't care if it sits in a money market account. Interest rates are starting to go up. So now you can get one, two or three percent in a money market account or a savings account. Soon you'll be able to possibly get four or five percent again. And at that point, why invest in the stock market when you can get five percent in a savings account? So do nothing. If you have credit card debt, pay off your debt, pay off your car loan debt. Maybe if you know that you're going to stay in the house for the rest of your life and that makes you feel secure, pay off the mortgage on your home if you have enough money. But do not invest and risk one penny of that money at this point in time. All right. So I think the big takeaway here, I I was going to ask you, um, how do we break this cycle of fear? But you said earlier, it's about action, taking small actions and the small ones add up to big ones and they add up to change and they add up to overcoming your fear. That's it, girlfriend. Sarah, what do you got next for me? Susie, our caller today, let me tell you about Janet. Janet's 49 years old. Uh, She's divorced with an adult son. She's done a lot of the things that you want her to be doing. She owns her own home. She has no credit card debt. She's on time with her student loans. Well, she doesn't have an eight-month emergency fund, that's next up for her. But here's the real story. Her family was poor. She was the first to go on and graduate from college. Now she's getting close to having to financially take care of her mother, who really can't afford to take care of herself. And she says this. This is what struck me. I want to stop the cycle. I cannot allow myself to be a burden on my son. I fear if I don't act now, that is exactly what is going to happen. I am scared. All right. Something, huh? So, Janet, girlfriend, what are you really scared of? Susie, thank you so much for taking my call. This morning, I am really afraid of becoming a financial burden on my son because I have a cycle of poverty in my family, as um, Sarah mentioned, where I may have to take care of my adult mother in her old age where she was not able to financially provide for herself at the same time that I need to worry about saving for my financial future 
So I would appreciate any advice that you may have for me. All right. So so many things are going on in what you've just said to me. It's first, you have to answer this question. Emotionally speaking, how do you feel about having to take care of your mom? Do you feel like it's a privilege? Do you love your mother? Is it an obligation? How would you describe the feeling? Susie, I would say this, the way I feel about taking care of my mother is a blessing because I am blessed by my mother. She lit my way. She encouraged me to always seek my dreams and seek out better for myself than even she was able to provide. And that lit my way. So if I can take care of her in her old age, it's a privilege. Somehow I knew you were going to say that because I want you to focus on what you just said to me. You said it would be a blessing to take care of your mother. However, when it comes to your son, the way that you say it is, you don't want to be a burden on him. I have no doubt that your son feels that you have been a light guiding him. You need to change how you're thinking about if you aren't prepared for your financial future, it's going to hurt your son. I need you to change that because I want you to think you want to take care of yourself because you want to do it for you, not because you don't want to be a burden on your son. Am I making sense to you? Yes, absolutely. That makes sense. Here's what happens, Janet. We get these things in our head, these concepts, these ideas, and these thoughts that we have really rule how we feel, how we act, and what we say. And sometimes the thoughts that we're thinking are just plain wrong. So we have to change the way that we think. And that's the first place you need to start. You have to stop feeling, thinking, and saying that your greatest fear in life is that you're going to be a burden on your son. Do you think you have the ability to do that? Yes, I can change that from a negative thought to something positive. Okay. Now, if that's true, tell me what your fear is. I I just want to make sure that I have enough money to be able to retire and be able to take care of myself as well as my mother. Here is the thing. You have to look at what you have, not at what you wish you could have. Just what do you currently have? And as I look at your financial situation, you're 49 years of age. You have $100,000 in an IRA. You don't have any credit card debt whatsoever. You know, your expenses monthly are not that great. They're only $3,000 a month. You owe $165,000 on your mortgage, but you currently still Oh, for 26 years. And I want everybody to own their home outright, at least by the age of 65. Number one, is this a home that you want to live in for the rest of your life? Yes, it is. Is this a home that would make you feel secure if you were to own it outright? Yes, I would. And at what age would you like to own it outright by? Ideally by 60. All right, if you would like to own this home outright by 60, this is where we start making dreams come true. First of all, your mortgage payment on just the home that you currently have, the mortgage now, is how much per month? $923. What if I told you 
that your mortgage payment would simply be $574 more per month. And if you were able to pay $574 more per month starting now, you would essentially own that house outright by the time you were 60. Can you afford an extra $574 per month? Yes, I can, Susie. If that's true, then what I want you to do is I want you to call your lender. I want you to tell them you're going to start sending in an extra $574 per month, and you want that to go to your principal, not to your interest, to your principal only. If you start to do that in just another 11 years, you're going to own your home outright. And I can tell you, nothing will make you feel more secure. When I tell you all this, how does that make you feel? Oh, Susie, this sounds like a plan that I can actually work towards that I will actually be able to accomplish the goals. Now, we've done two things here. And they were just such little tweaks, if you think about it. The first tweak was, you're going to stop thinking that you're going to be a burden on your son. You're going to start thinking no matter what happens, it's going to be a blessing for him to be able to take care of you. Number two, you're going to own your own home outright and you have a plan to do that. Now, what's so great about what just happened is because you had the courage to write in to podcast at gmail.com, you were selected. And now what's happening to you is not only are you helping everybody who's listening to this podcast, but you're helping yourself. And I have the privilege of being able to help you as well. And that's why a women in money community is so important that we learn how to help each other as we're learning how to help ourselves. Now, with everything that I've just told you, can you tell me the difference between how you felt when you called in this morning and how you feel right now? Well, when I called in this morning, Susie, I was nervous. I was concerned. And to be frank, I was very scared that I would not be able to reach my financial future. But after talking to you, it sounds doable. It sounds like something that I can do. I have a roadmap. Love that. Now, a few more things. Do you happen to have a will, a living revocable trust, an advanced directive, and a durable power of attorney for health care? I don't have all of those things, Susie, but those are things that I am working towards. I do have a will, and I do have a power of attorney for health care. I do not have a trust that is funded at this time, but that is next on my list. Therefore, next week, you need to listen to the podcast because we have an entire podcast on that topic. And within that podcast, in the description of that podcast, you're going to be able to find a link that takes you directly to my site where you're going to be able to get the documents that you want and to be able to do everything that you need in a way that's just unbelievable at a price that every single one of you absolutely can afford. Forward. So just wait till next week, listen to that, and then you'll be able to do everything you need to do in the luxury of your own home. Thank you so much. And thank you for calling in. Let us know how it goes. We're going to keep tabs on you, okay? Thank you. All right. Bye-bye now. Okay, Susie, it's time for our do-it moment. Why don't you bring us home? So before we bring this podcast to a close for this week anyway... Here is your do it moment. At the beginning of this podcast, I gave you pretty explicit instructions about creating your new truth, facing your fear and creating a truth that was directly opposite your fear. 
Listen to my instructions over and over and over again to make sure that you get it right. And you've been listening to this entire podcast. You've been thinking about it because I asked you to do that. So hopefully you're listening to what I'm asking you to do and doing it. And after this podcast is over, before you do anything else, can you just take this vow the vow that you are going to do this. You are going to conquer your fears. You are going to create a new truth that makes you powerful. Vow that you're going to do this every single day for the next six months. Vow that you are going to make this happen for yourself. If you can just keep this vow for the next six months, I can promise you, Your life is going to change. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to wonder if it works. I've done this now with millions of people, seriously, through books and everything, and I have seen what has happened. So your do it moment is you are going to take a vow to absolutely face your fears, create a new truth, and do it for at least six months. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.